Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. We're excited to bring back our friend Dr. William Sneblin with OneAccord.org Ministries. Find him on the web. Uh, and today is uh, Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. Brother William, do you want to open us in prayer? Yeah, sure. By the way, you pronounced my name perfectly. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got some practice. You're about the only person that does that. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you. Okay, Father. We're so grateful for Shannon and his ministry. We do pray that you would bless him and his ministry and, and his family. And, Father, we also pray you would uh, bless and protect uh, with one accord church ministries and our family here. Please put angels all around us to keep us safe because we're probably going to be ticking off some demons along the way here today. We just ask you would please anoint this time. Please clothe us with your supernatural power. Fill us with your armor of light. We pray that everything we do today would serve to glorify your name and or educate and elucidate your people so that they know more about what's going on and what can be done. We pray, Father, that you would bring revival to this nation because we know right now everything is just a giant dumpster fire in every sense of the word, and we need Yeshua like never before. So we cry out to be with us now, Father, as we do this episode, and please be with everybody listening to this and all the believers everywhere, because there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world right now. We just cry out to you for miracles on every possible level. In the mighty name of Yeshua, HaMashiach, Omein. Thank you, my friend. Always an honor to be with you, and the microphone is yours. Take all the time you like. Well, um, we are, of course, coming up on everybody's least favorite holiday. And a few, I had a few thoughts, and uh, but just up front, I mean, I, I assume your listeners know that you shouldn't celebrate Halloween, that you shouldn't let your children especially celebrate Halloween. Uh, I mean, it's getting more and more pervasive every year. And churches, I don't know if they're willing to talk about this stuff or not. Many of them are not. So we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and understand, you know, that, that I, my advice just briefly before we get into the main part of the show is if you're a parent, keep a close eye on your children over the next few days because there are what is called orbs around these satanic feast days like two or three days before, two or three days after, 
where the evil starts ramping up and they want your children. Not just in the sense of wanting to get them and use them as a sacrifice, but in the sense of perverting them and destroying their innocence and all the rest. So really pray over your children. Uh, keep an eye on them over the next, you know, all the way up, I'd say, till at least November 3rd. And, you know, soak them in prayer. And on the actual night, you know, October 31st, just keep them home, fast and pray. And if you need to give them a little candy to keep them happy, you know, that wouldn't be my first choice, but I know how children are. But you've got to keep them out of the milieu. And I, I think probably a lot of your listeners have heard the story of what happened to me on Halloween when I was out trick-or-treating. I got full of demons just, you know, when I was 10 years old, and it basically ruined the whole first half of my life. So when I speak out against Halloween, I mean it. It's it's nothing to be played around with. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people think it is. So, you know, anyway, just, you know, if, if anybody has any questions about that, we can discuss it. But uh, you've got to stay away from these things. As the, the old proverb says, if you're going to sup with the devil, use a very long spoon. Well, in my case, I don't want to sup with the devil at all. I'd rather put my foot in his face and kick him out of my family. You know, so anyhow. All right. When I was involved in witchcraft and later on, and especially in Satanism, and even in the whole vampire thing, we had a we had a saying. We said when you're when you're a follower of Satan, every day is Halloween, and they're working to try and make that the case. They really are. Uh, you know, we have now more than ever. It looks like demons are running everything. We have real-life monsters. I mean, you know, Hollywood keeps cranking out these monster movies, you know, like Godzilla or whatever. But we don't need those. We've, we've got plenty of our own monsters that we don't have to make up because they're real. And that's why I say, you know, who is running this? I mean, we know ultimately Yeshua is on the throne. But it says in the Psalms that he, you know, will reign in the midst of his enemies. And that's what's going on. I mean, everywhere are the enemies of the cross. In this country and in more so in most other countries, it's just appalling. We have real-life monsters running amok. And, of course, the first thing I would say is what's happening in the Holy Land. I mean, you know, those are things that are just unspeakable, the things that those you know, Hamas people did. And I, I don't want to go into it because the, the media has been just saturated with it over the last few weeks. And and I think it, it did expose, it pulled the mask off how evil this thing is. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be prayed up and have our armor on. I mean, right now I would tell people, you don't want to go out of your any more than you want to walk out of your house in your underwear. You would not want to walk out of your house without putting on the full armor of Elohim. You know, Ephesians six twelve, plus there's at least a dozen other items of the um armor that we have in our book, Blood on the Doorpost. Um, be well armed. Be armed and dangerous against the forces of darkness. So, you know, we're also seeing more and more shocking, soulless murders all over the world, especially all over the Western world. You know, you got in places, you know, like Paris or whatever that used to be civilized. I mean, it's just crazy. And, of course, we're, all of a sudden we're seeing this like volcanic eruption of anti-Semitism, you know, and overseas and in America, things like that. I mean, and it's just because, of course, the devil hates the Jewish people. The devil hates the Bible, and he hates the fact that, you know, the Jewish people are still around even after 2,000 years of everybody trying to wipe them out uh, because that proves that the Bible is eschatologically in line, it's that the prophetic uh, message in there is correct. It proves that the promises of Elohim. Of, of God are correct. 
And, you know, his word is his bond. But that drives the devil crazy, and that drives his minions crazy. And I think that's most of what's going on with all of this stuff, you know. And, I mean, like we got Ivy League students, like at these different high-level colleges, you know, just saying destroy the Jews, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. They're cheering the rape of women. You know, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying to see it. And also, you know, we've got warmongering. It seems like our administration here is determined to get us in the World War Three on at least one or two fronts. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like we're being run by evil idiots. And I know there's an agenda. I know there's a hidden agenda. It's not just that they're incompetent. But it's terrifying to see this stuff play out. Um, and, of course, pedophilia is running rampant. Uh, nobody's child is safe. Uh, you know, and it's just, it's just that's, that's partly why we put out our new DVD on pedophilia, which is selling really good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But, you know, it's just something everybody needs to be aware of if they're not. You can't have your head in the sand about the fact that they're after your children in every possible way. They want to pervert them. They want to indoctrinate them. And, you know, anyway, that's very critical to understand. And also, you know, the elites are trying to create global famine. They're trying to create shortages in every possible resource, you know, oil, um, you know, whatever, natural gas. And... We're, we're coming to understand, at least sensible people, that this whole climate thing is a sham. And not only is it a dangerous deception, but it's, it's highly toxic to, to both the economy and to the earth. Because I believe in the mandate that the Almighty gave to humanity in Genesis, that we are to be stewards of the earth, and we shouldn't defile it. But like, you know, just to give one example, I don't know how, you know, I saw this thing just today, you know, where they're putting up these giant windmills, and I guess they only last three or four years before they have to be replaced. And it was talking about how they have all, I mean, we have them in our area, you know, we see these huge trucks, semis going by with just parts of these, and, again, they're using up our natural resource to put these things up, and then birds and geese, eagles fly into them and are killed. You know, around here, we hear stories, you know, that all around these windmills, there's there's dead birds laying around on the ground. How is that environmentally safe? And, of course, the other thing is, we've got demonic drag queens in our schools. I mean, talk about every day being Halloween. I mean, you know, Shannon, you see the way some of these these things look. Right. You know, and they're coming into our schools and and trying to indoctrinate little children. I mean, you know, primary grade children and shaking their tushes at them and all this stuff. And they look like a bad Halloween costume made by a pervert and and if they're walking around like this presumably every day so it's terrifying that they they're letting these people into the schools so and then finally you know there's the fact now that because of all these streaming services there's no restriction on what i mean young people children can pull in terrible gory horror films or or even porn you know with almost no restrictions. And just to talk about this for a minute, I mean, when you let a little child watch a horror film, whether you do it deliberately or they just do it on their own, that really creates an open doorway spiritually in that child because we're not supposed to live in fear. And, of course, especially, we're not supposed to draw our little children or even our older children into a place of fear 
And that's why, you know, it is so dangerous when we allow children to to see horror films. I mean, especially nowadays. I mean, the stuff that, that I was watching in the 70s when I was, you know, lost was bad enough. But nowadays, between special effects and practical effects, I mean, there's nothing they cannot show in these films. And, and I mean, I can only just imagine how that would affect a child if they were to watch that stuff. And, you know, and it, it just keeps coming. It's like, you know, Hollywood has just opened this spigot of demonic filth, and it's just pouring out because these kind of things are usually – cheap to make and they usually get a lot of a lot of teenagers love to go see them and away you go so i mean i would really if i was a parent again i would really keep a very close eye on my child's access to the internet and and to any kind of streaming services i mean and shannon we all know this i mean even disney is awful Right. I mean, there was a time when people would say, oh, well, you can let them see, you know, the Disney Channel or whatever, or whatever they've got now. No, no. I mean, even back when I was a kid, there was a lot of questionable stuff in Disney. But now, forget it. The only good thing in all of this is that, basically, from what I've heard, Disney is just going in the tank. I mean, it, it hasn't had a good selling product. You know, in, in months and months and months, and he's they're putting out these multi-million dollar movies that are all flops. So, anyhow, speaking of that, it's time for our annual <clears throat> horror movie update. Because, of course, around Halloween, we've got to have horror movies coming out. And uh, just a few of them. There's more. I didn't want to go into the whole bunch. But... And and parents need to be aware, again, watch this stuff. Don't let your children near it. Try, if possible, to keep your teenagers away from it. I mean, one of them that caught my eye right away, there's a thing called, it's a wonderful knife. And what it is, it's a slasher movie version of the famous Jimmy Stewart movie. I can't even imagine what they are going to do with that. I don't want to. But that's what Hollywood, you know. It's been observed that all Hollywood does is take old classic stuff now and basically trash it in one way or another, you know, like they did with Star Wars, like they did with, you know, now this, this recent Indiana Jones movie, which I didn't go see the darn thing. And I used to enjoy Indiana Jones, you know, me too. but sorry. Oh, me too. But I didn't see that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, first of all, you know, he's, what, 80-some years old? I mean, that's a little old to be an action superstar, you know. And I can't talk too much because I'm moving in that direction. But And then it's full of all this woke nonsense and bad writing. But anyway, and that's what they're doing with this wonderful knife movie. They're just taking a wonderful film that's a classic and they're just upending it and making it awful. Then there's a movie that's called Night Swim, which is coming out that's about a haunted backyard swimming pool. Um, there's a movie called, and again, some of these titles, you wouldn't immediately know that they're awful horror films just if you saw the title, like Imaginary. And, and then there's another one called Baghead about a witch that, that supposedly has the power to come back from the dead and take on the face of dead people so she can come and attack people or something like that. I don't know. I didn't follow into it too much. And and then there's, believe it or not, speaking of trashing classic material, there's a movie called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Can you believe <laughs> And I guess it's about a guy that dresses up in a Winnie the Pooh mask, kind of like the character in Halloween, and goes around and kills people. So, and again, I didn't watch any of these. I just was sort of looking, because I know every year this happens. You know, they come out with a bunch of these horrible, trashy movies. And then there's a, a movie called Immaculate, 
which again, you wouldn't think that would be I mean, something kind of sounds religious, but it's basically a, a thing that, that blasphemes, you know, uh, people that want to get into religious life or whatever, you know. So again, but now here's the two biggies. One is um, the exorcist believer. And, you know, there's been 50 years, believe it or not, since the exorcist came out. And the impact of that first film was just astonishing. And I don't know if I told you this, but but I had just been made a high priest of the Druidic Rite. And we had come back from Arkansas with two or three other couples that were all high priests and high priestesses, you know, having gone through this three-month rigorous training course, okay? And the movie had just come out, and, of course, there was all this huge buzz about it. And we thought, oh, let's go see it, you know, because we thought, well, we're, you know, witches and druids and blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't have to be afraid of any kind of demons, you know, because we didn't really believe in demons. So anyway, we were in Chicago, went to this big theater during the daytime. It was about half empty. And I couldn't, after the movie was going for I couldn't believe there was this lady sitting in front of us, a mother, and she had a little kid with her who was probably not even five years old. And, you know, that, of course, and I don't, have you ever seen it? Uh, the movie The Exorcist? Yeah. I avoided it. <laughs> well, you were smarter than I was. Um, that I thing is so awful and so terrifying. I, I will tell you this in all truth. When I saw that movie, I had nightmares from that movie all the way up until I got saved. And that would be a good 11 years. I would have continuous nightmares from that film. And I was a horror movie buff. I mean, I watched a bunch of horror movies in my day, but that thing hit me like nothing else. It is so demonic, and that was the first movie, Shannon, where they had high-level satanic covens in the Hollywood area curse the masters. Because, you know, back then it was all celluloid. And they would curse the master things from which the copies would be made that would go out to different theaters. And they would they would actually, you know saturate the films the the celluloid of the film with demonic energy wow so that whoever would watch the film would be hit with that demonic power just like kind of shining a light through a scrim you know and what's really amazing is we were sitting there with my two friend the couples that were also high level high priest blah blah and in the middle of the film this one guy started having a seizure. And, of course, there were, I don't know if the guy to this day, if he had an issue with epilepsy or whatever, but, you know, there were a lot of flashing lights in it, that, you know, and, and really sub, they use subterranean sound, you know, that you can't hear consciously, but it's like it makes your, your bones vibrate. They use that in this movie, and it all just increases the level of dread. And now they're going to come out with it. I guess it's it's what they call a reboot. They're going to basically remake the movie. And again, why? It didn't even need to be made the first time, but it was a huge money maker. Except this time, I guess it's going to be they're going to bring back uh, what's her face, uh, Ellen Burstein, the woman that played the mother of the little girl who was possessed. So she's going to be in it. And they're going to forget about all the subsequent, because um, there's been like five or six exorcist movies since the first one. But they're just going to, oh, those didn't happen. And they're going to do this new one, except it's going to be a black family with a black little girl, which I don't care one way or the other about that. But it's just like they can't come up with anything you know, interesting or original. And I'm sure this is going to create a lot more demonic possession. It's going to create a lot more hysteria. And you know, Shannon, because I know you do deliverance, that what is, you know, part of the um, the, the thing you see in that movie, uh, the Roma, Rituale Romanum, which is what the Catholic Church, I believe to this day is what they use, it's not effective. Right. And that's why 
that's why they're not scriptural. What they're doing is not based on scripture. And so often, I mean, I actually saw a priest get murdered by a devil in a hospital trying to do an exorcism on a woman who was, you know, tied down on a bed. It was an adult woman, and there were, you know, nuns around praying in holy water, slopping everywhere and all of this stuff. And the, the demon literally ripped the guy in two. And, uh, you know, it doesn't glorify Christ. All it does is glorify the devil. And that's partly why we wrote Blood on the Doorpost, to explain a way that you can do this, because it's necessary. I mean, we need to have deliverance ministries in the church, and most people don't want to do it. Most pastors don't want to do it. I mean, I'd say nine out of ten pastors, they'll send you off to a shrink. They won't They won't get into this because they either they think it'll make them look bad or because they're scared. And I would submit to you that if, if they read more Bible and less psychology, they'd probably be less scared. Because if God is with us, who can be against us, you know? But anyway, so that's coming out. And then there's another one that I'll mention briefly. It's called Suitable Flesh. And it's about a psychiatrist that's trying to deal with this woman. And uh, I guess it's based on some of the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. And I'll tell you, H.P. Lovecraft, his books... Are, I mean, he's you know been dead like since the 40s, I think. But his books are just haunting. They're full of all of this macabre imagery. And um, a lot of the stuff he wrote is based on real high-level black magic that we used to practice when I was in upper-level witchcraft. We would do rituals out of the, the – you've heard of the Necronomicon, I assume? Sure, the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead. No, that's something else. Okay. The the Necronomicon is this Sumerian. It's from older than Egypt, and it's full of blasphemous rituals, and it used to not even be available, and then they put out an edition, uh, which is actually very, very um, truncated. I mean, not a lot of the stuff is in it, because I've seen a real full unabridged Necronomicon. But they put this thing out in the 70s, uh, and um, I probably told you this story, but it was being sold. They put out 666 copies, and uh, the thing, the text was dedicated to Admiorum Clorp. I'm messing this up. It, in English, it's to the greater glory of Crowley. That was a dedication for it. And... Um, the first guy that bought this book, he took it home, and within 24 hours, his his little girl went upstairs and cut her wrists and killed herself. That's how nasty this book is. Terribly nasty. So anyway, um, really high-level nasty stuff. I can only imagine what this movie is going to unleash into the world. Because I earnestly believe if you go into a theater... Or even if you watch this thing on TV, you're opening up your soul to this kind of thing. And I'm sure all the, because let's face it, Shannon, there's an awful lot more demon worshippers now than there was back in 1973 when The Exorcist came out. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, absolutely. That's correct. Yeah, so, you know. It's like they're going to charge these films with every demonic thing they can and send them out, you know, into the into the public and they're going to reap the whirlwind. They're going to get more and more people demonized because and this is why I generally warn people against letting their kids be terrified. It's because if you scare somebody, if you're an adult, teenager or child, it blows open the door to demons, especially to the spirit of fear. And once that gets in, it's stuck there unless you call upon Yeshua to cast it out. And most people don't understand that. Most people don't even believe in such things. And so they're walking around, and then you wonder why there's all this anxiety. You know, everybody, I forget what the figure, something like 50 to 60% of Americans 
are on anxiolytic medication, you know, anti-anxiety drugs. Think of that. And not that the world is in an increasingly scary place. I mean, it is. But still, you know, if we have Messiah, we have nothing to fear. But it just they're trying to spread this stuff any way they can. And especially since there's all these, you know, Netflix and all these different streaming services, it can just spread like wildfire. So we need to be prayed up and we need to pray against this stuff. And if, especially if you're a parent, you want to keep it out of your house. You know, don't let your kids near it and and try to talk to the parents of your kids' friends, you know, because sometimes they don't know. And your child will go over there and he'll watch it over there. I mean, I, I, I got to confess this. I used to do this when I was a child. My parents, this show came out, which I don't know if you, you might not be old enough to remember. It was a really well-made crime show. It was called The Untouchables. But for the time, it was very violent. And my parents wouldn't let me watch it. And so I'd go over to my friend's house and I'd watch it over there. <laughs> being a boy, you know, and liking guns and bam, bam, and all of that stuff. So try and be vigilant about this stuff because once this stuff gets into your child, it's going to take deliverance to get it out. And you need to be kind of keep an eye on them. And if they're getting anxious, if they're getting fearful, and, and mind you, I mean, there's it's not like there aren't things to be afraid of. There are. But on the other hand, we also understand that all of the media are generating fear. That's what they do. They create fear porn. And there's even some Christians that do that. I mean, it's like how many times are they going to cry wolf? I mean, there's this one guy I really admire. I'm not going to say his name. But really, for at least the last six or seven years, he's been putting out you know, podcasts, most of which are really good. He's a very strong anti-vax guy and all of that. But he, he has all these doomsday scenarios, like when the the Chernobyl thing, not Chernobyl, the thing over in Japan, the reactor that got blown up in an earthquake, he was saying how within a year the whole coast of California would be glowing in the dark and all the fish would be dead and everybody would be dead on the West Coast. And it didn't happen. You know, nothing like that happened. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of radiation, and I'm sure it probably created a lot of weird, you know, fish with two heads or whatever. But so we want to be careful about saying things like that because it frightens people, and then nothing happens. And after, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like the secular version, Shannon, of these people like that did that. Remember that in 1988, 88 reasons that Jesus is coming back in 1988? Oh, yes. And everybody got... And all excited and oh boy you know the rapture or whatever is coming and then you know nothing happened and it, it some people who don't have very strong faith that will rattle them to the point that they they wander away from the bible and that's too bad that's why i'm you know like not wanting to toot my own horn but like four weeks ago i, I did a youtube video i don't know if you saw it or not but it was called uh, light, no, fire, that was the title. And I was talking about, this is fairly quickly after those horrible fires in Hawaii, you know. And I was talking about what all this meant, and I said that the Ruach had spoken to me and said that something terrible is going to happen in two weeks that's going to sh- change the shape of the world if we don't pray, if we don't fast and pray and come against this demonic agenda. And, of course, what happened we had this whole thing blow up with hamas so you know i normally don't like to say stuff like that but i really felt prompted by the ruach the holy spirit to say that and i'm sorry to say not enough people prayed because you know we obviously have this thing now where the whole mid-east is like a total powder keg waiting to blow up with a nuclear fuse so anyway (laughs) happy days are here again um all right, something I want to talk about before we, we close this. Amid all the stuff that's going on, amid all of these horrible events and all these horrible movies and all the stuff in the culture, this time of year, I just want to mention the fact there are things that hardly ever get mentioned. 
what about survivors of satanic ritual abuse or Masonic ritual abuse? Because they're both a thing. They're both very real. And there's probably, I would guess, tens of thousands of them in the world. People who are adults who were tortured and ritualized as children via their satanic covens or by Masons, Freemasons. And I know a lot of people say, oh, Masons don't do that. Yeah, Masons do that kind of stuff. Uh, In fact, there's actually a group out there called SMART. I don't know if it's still in operation, but it stands for uh, Survivors of Masonic something or other, something or other. It's like a, a online, excuse me, support group to minister to people who are survivors of being ritually abused, raped, tortured, whatever, by Masons in Masonic lodges on the altar of Masonry. So this happens. It happens a lot. <clears throat> and, of course, so does satanic stuff. Um and I, I was watching this recent discussion with this journalist, and you know how they refer to the 1980s as the satanic panic? Right. You know, they, they say, well, Geraldo did that show, and, you know, blah, 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 and everybody went crazy, and they were finding Satanists under every bush, and, you know, McMartin preschool case, and this and that. It was all, actually, it wasn't just panic. There was a lot of truth to it. The whole Franklin cover-up thing, the McMartin thing. This woman journalist, I can't think of her name offhand, but she was saying how she went back and documented all the stuff even with Aquino, who got dragged into that because he was at the Presidio at that time. He's he was He's now dead and probably in hell. But, you know, I mean, he was involved in child sexual trafficking and torture and satanic rituals. And all, she, all of this stuff actually is borne out, but there was an explosion of this stuff happening. Oddly enough, that was just about the time I was getting in the ministry. And I'd gone out to Saints Alive in Seattle to minister there, and uh, I actually, I've never told you this story, but I, they, had a, they had a KOMO, which is one of the major TV stations out there, locals. They had a, a kind of a talk show format, and they invited Michael Aquino and his wife. Lilith, believe it or not, that's the name of his wife, to be on that show. And they let me be in the audience. And I got into a very vigorous discussion with him. And I really ticked him off because I was talking about how he he says, oh, we don't believe in Satan, we believe in Set. And I was talking about how Set was actually very profoundly evil. And, you know, the whole cult of Set in ancient Egypt was very evil. And I tell you, he was looking at me, and you know what he looked like, right? He deliberately had those weird Mr. Spock eyebrows and, you know, all that stuff to make himself look as creepy as possible. Again, like every day is Halloween. I mean, you can actually find pictures of this guy on the Internet where he's in his, I think he was a general, finally, before he retired from the military. He's wearing his general, you know, uniform with all of these, you know, regalia, ribbons, whatever, and he's got these creepy satanic eyebrows and the creepy haircut. I guess they didn't care, you know, freedom of religion. So anyway, I was just really trashing Set and his whole thing, and he was just glaring at me, and I could just feel I was very glad I would put my full armor of, of God on before I went into that because he was just, if he could have, you know, like sent a bolt of dark lightning at me, he would have kind of like Palpatine the Emperor in Star Wars. But hallelujah, I got my message across. So anyway, what do you do with these people, these survivors, innocent people, usually as children or young teens who were terribly, terribly um, – victimized you know and here in the midst we got all this woke culture right now how people you know they get triggered by seeing somebody wearing an an indian costume you know on halloween or something similar i mean how do you think survivors of satanic abuse deal with all of this stuff i mean what do they think when they see you know someone dressed up as a devil or as a vampire, or, you know, because, and there's worse stuff than that now. I mean, there's just, there's Halloween costumes that would just 
Anyway, um, you know, satanic symbols trigger them, you know, and uh, I got to tell you something. I mean, where I am, you know, we have these big box stores, you know, like Lowe's and whatever. And you walk in there now starting in, you know, the end of September, and they've got these enormous Halloween things for sale that are like 15, 20 feet tall, that are automated, they're lit up, you know, like skeletons and witches and things rising out of graveyards with shrouds on them, you know, and just horrible stuff, you know, crows and bats, and and they make their design, you know, so if you walk by it, it triggers something in the devices and they, they come to life. And, you know, it, it gives me the shutters. And, I mean, I've been out of this stuff since, you know, 1984. And I, you know, I understand spiritual warfare and spiritual armoring and all that. But, I mean, I think of people, just your average person who had this stuff done to them as a child. What do you think that does to those people? To walk through there and have this stuff celebrated, you know. And, and I, I mean, even driving around the neighborhood, I mean, there's people who have enormous... 20-foot-tall witches in their yard all lit up at night. And all this stuff is just going to haunt, literally, these people. And then, of course, you get all this Halloween programming on TV. And on top of which, death and torture and gore are celebrated on, on all these different TV shows that are especially prominent during you know this season. And you know, and you walk into any any grocery store like the, where where we are. I mean, there's like two ginormous aisles of Halloween candy and Halloween, you know, paraphernalia of all sorts. And it's just, you know, and you know what's funny? Because my wife Mary gave me this idea. It used to be when I was a witch. I would go through the stores and I would put, I would think it was good, of course, but I was praying curses onto the candy so that the people that ate the candy would get demons in them because that's what we did. And and so now I go through the store and I pray all, over all the candy and I cast out the, the evil spirits, if any, out of the candy and I pray that anybody that eats the candy or whatever, you know, that they would they would be exposed to something of Christ and his truth and his salvation. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Amen. So we can fight back. But, you know, just again, put yourself in the shoes of somebody like that. I tell people, and I wrote a whole article about this ages ago for Saints Alive. Imagine if you were a survivor of the Holocaust, but you were unfortunate enough to live in a culture where for the month before a certain date, all they could see was Nazi regalia everywhere, you know, swastikas and SS outfits and things celebrating Auschwitz and Treblinka. It would be horrifying for those people. That's why, you know, thankfully, in most civilized countries, that kind of symbolism is if not illegal, it's highly discouraged. And that is a situation for people that are survivors of SRA or Masonic ritual abuse. It, it really is. And we've, we've prayed, and I'm sure you have too, for dozens of these people. And they really need ministry, not just, not just a ministry of getting you know the demons out of them. That's important. But also... Um, the emotional damage that's been done to them, the the lack of trust, the fact that many of them have been made to be afraid of Christ because they will have people dress up, you know, like Jesus in a white robe and a, you know, a beard and a long wig and do unspeakable things to them. This one, this one woman even said they had a guy dressed up like Jesus and he even had a, a fake crown of thorns on his head and he raped her when she was a little girl. You know, think of what that does to children and then they grow up and someone says, oh, well, you just need Jesus in your life. Well, can you imagine how they would react to that? 
So we need to be aware of these people. We need to pray for them, you know, in absentia, just like, you know, we might pray for homeless people or we might pray for vets, you know, veterans or, you know, a certain category of people that have been put upon or that have been, you know, because I think most vets today have demonic issues and no disrespect for them. But, I mean, war is a spiritual battle, too. And especially when you're in the various theaters that we've been in lately, like, you know, the Middle East, Iraq and Iran and so on, where the, the very soil over there is just soaked in demonic energy. So, you know, we need to pray for these people and to minister them wherever possible because, honestly, they are unseen, voiceless victims of this stuff. And because the culture now, here's the problem. Everybody's aware that, that there are certain people out there like Weinstein and Epstein. Isn't it great that all these people are apostate Jews that are doing all this horrible stuff with sexual predation? It just breaks my heart. But anyway, people acknowledge that's going on. But hardly anybody will admit that there are Satanists out there doing this stuff, or even more so that there are Masons out there doing this stuff. But there are. And just like, you know, you know, the old line from C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, what the devil is greatest trick is to convince people he doesn't exist. Well, he's doing his level best to convince people that there are really no, you know, Satanists that are doing this kind of stuff. There's just these nice libertarian people like the Temple of Satanic, whatever it's called, or Satanic Temple, that claim they don't even really believe in the devil, which is, of course, nonsense. But we need to pray for them, and we need to... We need to pray that enfold them in the arms of Messiah and to help them to open up their hearts to him, to have him comfort them. And we need to pray for them to have emotional healing that only Yeshua can give. And we need to pray also, inundate them with scriptures. You know, and it's just so, so important and i think this is a, a a admittedly small but very important population of people that need to be ministered to because when they get the true freedom both spiritual freedom and emotional freedom that the cross of calvary offers them they're going to be incredible they're going to be incredible servants of the kingdom but right now, they're being hobbled by spiritual and emotional issues, and we need to pray that Yeshua would be able to come upon them and set them free from this stuff. And we need to pray that there would be more ministers, preachers, whatever you want to call them, that are willing to work in this sort of ministry with knowledge, with discernment, with sensitivity, and with anointing. Because, as I'm sure you know, Shannon, there's there's some people running around out there that are doing more harm than good. Absolutely. The truth. Brother Bill, yeah. while we're here tonight, do you have time to share a, a quick story with some people that have not heard it? And that is the story about the time you encountered a werewolf. Uh, which one was that? <laughs> which okay. <werewolf>? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me tell you the most recent one. Uh, let's see. This would have been about, oh, it be about 14, 15 years ago. But it was the night. There's this thing that's called the Feast of the Beast. And it's a major, major satanic holiday that happens. I forget if it's every 27 years or 28 years. I could, I got my book right here. I could look it up. Anyway. It's in September, and it it, um, it only happens at one time. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's every 28 years, and it happened to be that day, that night. And I, we at that time, we had a ground floor apartment, and uh, I was hunkered down praying and, and I had my Bible open, naturally King James Bible, 
because uh, I have a lot of Bibles, and this was just, a, I had a big Bible, kind of like, almost like an altar Bible, open by the window, face the street. And I was praying and doing warfare, and all of a sudden, the window just exploded inward, and this big, hairy thing broke through the window. And all I can tell you is it looked like a giant wolf. I mean, it was as big as a small horse, and it had claws, and it had the head of a wolf, and it, it bounded through the window, but because of the way the window was and the way the furniture in the room was, to get a purchase to get further into the window, it had to put its paws, its front paws, on the Bible, which was sitting there open. Don't ask me to what page. And as soon as it hit that, it howled like blood-curdling, most blood-curdling thing I've ever heard. And it fell down on the floor and literally vanished in a cloud of fire. And all it did was leave a grease spot on the carpet. Nothing left of it because it touched the real, genuine word of God. And needless to say, I was pretty terrified. <laughs> it took me a moment to figure out, okay, what had happened. And, of course, we had to explain to the landlord that, well, <laughs> something broke in the window and uh, ruined the carpet. It wasn't that big. The actual spot was about, oh, I don't know, maybe a yard by a foot. But it, it literally, it just... It just like hit the floor, and it was already half disintegrated in a burst of flame. Wow! And uh, that that shows you the power of of the King James Bible. Amen. Because I'm sure if that was an NIV, he would have laughed at it. That's right. A little laugh. Now there was one more. I think uh, you told me one time um, you were walking on a bicycle. Do you know the one? There were two guys well, walking around. That was, that was not me personally, but this is the testimony that we had. Oh, yes. What happened was is these two kids, you know, 12-year-old boys or whatever, were, this was in Seattle. They were biking around, and um, they were, for whatever dumb reason, they were biking around this landfill at night. And, you know, they had these... Um, Fires going, burning off the methane gas that's from the garbage underneath the surface. A very creepy, hellish place. And anyway, you know how boys are. And so they're they're on their bikes and they're coming on and come around this huge pile of garbage. And they see this circle of, of people in black robes and there there was this, you know, they were holding up this naked girl. And they were going to throw her in the fire. And they just totally freaked out, of course. You know, they didn't know what exactly it was, but it didn't look good. And so they turned around and they started pedaling away. And anyhow, the one kid was ahead of the other because he was a little older, had stronger legs or a better bicycle or something. And they could hear this thing following them. It's like this boom, 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 you know, like some really huge animal. And the kid that was ahead looked back for a second and he'd see this giant hairy shape closing in on his friend. And uh, it was, it towered over the kid on the bicycle. It was easily seven or eight feet tall. And he told all this to the police. And so anyway... Uh, the the little the first little boy that was ahead, he heard his friend scream, and he just you know he just got a surge of adrenaline and started pedaling even faster, and he could hear this thing now following him, and getting closer and closer, and he can actually you know feel the the breath of this thing on his on his back, and his huge claw. He said, came around and had three three digits, you know, not like a human hand, but only three digits and then a thumb, and they were really long talons, you know, whatever you call them. And, you know, it grabbed him by the chest, 
as if to pull him off the bike. And it happened that his little kid was a Christian. And he, all he did was cry out, Jesus. And the thing let go of him like he was scalded. And he pedaled away like for all of his life, got home. And he had this huge scar that ripped open his T-shirt. And he had this huge scar of three of these claws going diagonally down his upper chest. And, of course, the mom, you know, got into the doctor, called the police, and they called me. That's how I, because at this time I had kind of a <clears throat> reputation as being a local expert on satanic crime, because this was actually a thing back then. They actually had, um, thanks to Lieutenant Larry Jones, who was a Boise State Trooper, he had encouraged a lot of the police um, departments in the Pacific Northwest to have occult crime units formed. And they, they had done that because this was in the middle of the quote-unquote satanic panic. And um, they came and they interviewed the kid and they took me up there. And, of course, there was nothing. There was no sign of anything because these people are real good at covering their tracks. But there was evidence of a bonfire out in this clearing among all of these huge piles of trash. And that would be a perfect place, you know, for a satanic ritual because, you know, they love corruption. They love decay. They love things like methane gas. And plus it would normally be very isolated. But, yeah, I firmly, firmly believe from the testimony of that child because, you know, you can kind of tell if a kid's making something up. And those scars were real. They needed a lot of stitches. Wow. So, yeah, that was that was the first time I actually personally, you know, I was like secondhand, but I had run across a werewolf. That's an amazing so they're the, story. They're the bodyguards. See, they're the assassins and the bodyguards of the Satanic Brotherhood. And I'm sure that thing was there as a guard to be sure that they would not be discovered, you know. And, uh, and of course, when something happened like that, that they were discovered, because they never did find that other child. The bike was gone. The child was gone. And, you know, probably ended up on a milk carton. Good but, grief. Uh, Folks, you got to protect your children. And uh, I, we just recently here in my house had to take the, uh, the TV control away. Now, we don't have cable, but we've got what's called Roku, and it gives you access oh, yeah. to YouTube. And so we made a mistake letting the kids take the control and, you know, started out with Superbook, and then it went to some other cartoons, and then I, we caught the kids going through uh, YouTube shorts, just evil stuff. So basically we've stripped the TV away from the kids. They don't need it. There's very little left that is safe for a child to watch, and um, it's yeah. just corrupting the kids out there, and the demons are coming in through the media. Um, the first. Well, not only that, if I can just add yes. some, there is something different in terms of, you know, neurophysiology between reading and watching TV. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of good, I don't need to tell you this, there's lots of good children's Christian books out there. And it is so much better both from the child's standpoint of mental development, um, you know, hand-eye coordination development, to, uh, to, to read a book than it is to watch however, however noble the, the program might be on TV. It really is. Because I don't know if you remember Marshall McLuhan. No, sir. He might be before your time. He was a Canadian, some kind of scientist. And he, he came up with the idea, he, he wrote a book called The Medium is the Message. And he, he was the first person to kind of look at how television impacted the human mind. And the subtitle of the book was The Medium is the Massage. And he was talking about how television is passive. And it's literally called programming because that's what it is. You, it puts your mind, the, and it's even more so today with this high-definition TVs and smart TVs and all that. The, the flicker rate and everything puts your brain 
into a passive state that's very akin to hypnosis. And he made this point, and this was in the early 60s. And he said, you know, be aware that the television, you know, well, I'm not going to say what he said, but it, it's like kind of like nursing a baby. You're just sitting there sucking on it. And it's totally passive. It does not exercise the mind usually or engage the mind. And that's why I am firmly a believer in getting having your children obviously you need to teach them how to read, you know, but but to have them read good books, obviously read the Bible, things like that, over the idea. I mean, I know there's some good Christian programming out there, but it's so important for for the development of the young mind and the young soul to be able to actually physically look at like the Bible and read, you know, John three or Psalm ninety one or whatever and and be able to do that mechanical thing with your eyes and with your mind. So that was Absolutely. sidebar. No, you're right on target there. Um, Brother Bill, how can people contact you in your ministry, and how can they support your work? Well, okay, we've got uh, our With One Accord website, and pray for us. We're trying to get it updated. We're in the early processes of raising money because it's really expensive. But it's it's suffering from being, you know, I think it's been at least seven or eight years since we've really done anything with it. Uh, but it's withoneaccord.org, W-I-T-H-O-N-E-A-C-C-O-R-D.org. And uh, on there we have a donation mechanism through PayPal. And we also, uh, we, have, we, we have Zelle now, and we also have WePay where you can, you know, text a certain, and I don't, the, the number, this is for smartphones, you can give us, and I, don't, I think this only works in the United States, but um, it's 844-948-3923, and you can use that to um, send us text messages that, that will put money in our bank account. And uh, we need it, obviously we need it, we need to keep going, and there's also... With Zelle, the um, our our email is basically the the thing you would send money to, which is sneblin at gmail dot com, s n e b l e n at gmail dot com. So we have a lot of stuff on our website, you know, prayers, lots of, of teachings and tracts, and we we have most of our the things you, we've done with you uh, audio you know, broadcasts available there. And we also have a YouTube channel, which is approaching 250 uh, videos. Hallelujah. And some of them have really taken off. I mean, we had this, we did this one thing. Well, I think it was a thing about fire that, you know, had, you know, 15, 20,000 views. And uh, we, we just praise God for that because we always try to put, you know, a gospel message even if we're talking about something sensational like, you know, directed energy weapons or the royal family and it's all of the evil that's in the – we have several videos that are on the royal family because that's just like the world's biggest crime syndicate really. But that's a whole other show. <laughs> hey, also – So we got – sorry? Where do people go to order copies of these films that you're producing? That would be on our website. Uh, we do have almost, well, I'd say at least two-thirds of our videos. You can download them on Vimeo uh, for, you know, a smaller fee. You can either rent them or buy them. And um, we're going to try this week, probably, we're going to try and put up our brand-new video on pedophilia on uh, Vimeo so that, you know, we, you know, I know people like you. It costs a small fortune if you wanted to order a physical DVD and get it over to Indonesia. But hopefully, within a week or so, we'll have it up on Vimeo. Vimeo is great for uh, watching films, folks. You can order it right there. Get it on your computer worldwide. Uh, get over to withoneaccord.org. My friend, what shall we title tonight's episode for the archive? Well. Uh, how about 
something like every day is Halloween, or is every day Halloween. Okay. Because I believe that's what the elite are trying to do. They're trying to make every day into a horror show. Boy, it's starting to look like with that. Real life, with real life monsters. I'm going down the road one day on the back of this scooter taxi. And, you know, you're swarmed with other uh, bikers out here. Most of the island, they ride scooters, but not all. And yeah. uh, one of the guys up ahead of me, uh, he was wearing a T-shirt and had a big uh, Baphomet symbol on the back. Yeah. You know, pentagrams. And I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Uh, people think this is, you know, this is just good fun or they're looking for power. They're looking at the wrong source. I'm going to tell you, they're going to get burned. Um, oh yeah thank you my friend for coming on tonight and get me some dates for November we look forward to having you back absolutely it's been a pleasure as always you know and we pray the almighty's richest blessings on you and your family hallelujah thank you my friend we'll see you again soon God bless you yes okay shalom 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 folks that was Dr. William Snebelin check him out with oneaccord.org